The views and opinions expressed by guests on the TWBC podcast are solely those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the views of nor constitute an endorsement by the host, TWBC, or the advertisers. National Championships, Confederation Championships, World Championships, Major Professional Events. For over three decades, he has been there for many of the sport's greatest moments. And now he brings you even closer to the movers and shakers in the world of high echelon tournament water skiing. From the founder and creator of the Water Ski Broadcasting Company comes the TWBC Podcast. And now here's your host, Tony Lightfoot. friends welcome to the twbc podcast and thank you for listening in terms of superlatives for the subject of this podcast episode there is very little that hasn't already been said regina jaquis is quite simply one of the finest skiers to have ever competed man or woman multiple world titles in every level of the sport that she has been eligible to compete in along with world records professional titles and so much more she even takes time to give back to the sport whether it be through coaching a women's clinic like the one at bennett's recently or helping to organize events like the malibu open on top of that she works at and owns a pharmacy in the sunshine state typically producing medicines from scratch if you're looking for an overachiever in this world we bring you exhibit rj so let's get on with it here is the first of a two-part interview with regina all right so uh we're here at uh, bennett's uh, water ski school in the midst of the uh the pro uh, pro clinics uh regina jaquis uh, thank you very much for uh spending a little bit of time with this podcast how are you doing Good. Thank you, Tony. We've had a great day and we've had a ladies clinic and all these ladies are amazing and awesome. They're strong skiers and they're very independent women and powerful women. So it's been it's been a great weekend for all of us here. And just in case you're wondering about all the noise in the background and all that kind of stuff, uh, they're in the midst of the uh, the steak dinner that's held uh, uh, towards the end of the uh, of the pro clinics. And we will actually be uh, listening in on in from from some of them. They might ask a question or two uh, if they feel so inclined. But oh boy, oh boy, yes indeed. So uh, not only are you a pro skier, multiple time world champion, but you're also a pharmacist. But not the not the kind of pharmacist that we would ordinarily deal with if we went to like a Walmart or a Rite Aid or or, or a Walgreens. You are a step above. <laughs> I am a compounding pharmacist and I have my own business. It's called Emerald Coast Compounding Pharmacy. We're in the panhandle of Florida and compounding pharmacy is actually the or the origins of pharmacy. It's how pharmacy actually originated back in the day. You, know, you didn't go to the doctor and they prescribed you something and then you went to the pharmacist to fill it. You went to the pharmacy and you told them your ailments and you know back then it was more with plants and herbs and that's how you would fix any problems that you may have and so that is the the origins and the basis of compounding now compounding's evolved so much too we do dermatology veterinary medicine pediatric geriatric um there's so many different fields in that that error 
Okay, and from what I understand, not only do you provide compounding ser services in pharmacy for uh, for us humans, but mm -hmm. also for for veterinary purposes as well, from what I understand. Oh yes, we have our furry patients that we take care of. Um, and so, you know, that that's a, I'm a dog person, I'm an animal person, so I actually do enjoy, um, you know, taking more interest in the veterinary side. We do a lot with um, the dogs and cats, but we also have guinea pigs, ferrets, parrots. Um, we have a retired Arlington horse as well. Um, so we do have a, a great veterinary side in our, our store there at Emerald Coast Compounding Pharmacy. Excellent. Okay. Uh, we'll, we'll get back a little bit to the pharmacy a little bit, but one of the main reasons why I have you here for the podcast is to talk about your achievements and what you, and what you're, what you plan on doing, you know, in the immediate future with tournaments and that, that kind of stuff. So, uh, but two more recent news. Uh, one particular particular high-rated tournament has announced equal prize money for women's competitors between the men's and women's. Obviously, that's something you applaud. But this isn't this isn't the first time that we've seen it seen this, have we? And uh, uh, and and a lot of it is due with your uh, relationship with between you and, and the late, great Dana Reed, is that, yes? Yes, yeah. Um, actually, Dana Reed has, basically through my whole professional career of water skiing, um, taught me about the equal pay for women and men. In fact, Dana Reed, who you know was our starter and founder of the Malibu Open, had the women's tour once the women were kicked off of the pro tour. And he started that, um, you know, he, he his girls, his first two girls were more Karen Trulove and April Coble Eller. And he didn't want them to not have a pro event. So he took the, that onto himself and he had a pro event for women's slalom. And then that took off and it was amazing. And women's slalom became its own tour. Well, then the men started losing their funding and came crawling to Dana Reed and basically said, can you put us on? And Dana said, yeah, of course. And you know, Dana was, Dana Reed, he was just, he was an amazing man. Um, he loved water skiing. He loved the women of water skiing. He loved putting on a tournament. He put his own, not just time and sweat and tears and his family's time and sweat and tears, but his own money into making these tournaments happen for, for the pro skiers when pro skiing was at a low point. Uh, but the men came on and it was equal pay and it never changed even to this day with the Malibu Open. And that's what we always talk about when we go over because they do help with the Malibu Open and putting it on. And, you know, every year we talk about, okay, prize money. Well, Dana Reed said it's equal. So uh, that's where we're going. But in fact, when the men started coming on, I was pretty young at the time. Um, maybe I was like 15, 16, I don't know, somewhere in that time frame. Um, I remember we would be a, doing the tournament, doing the cash cash prize event, and uh, we'd be on the trophies and the awards, and he would give all the women an extra dollar bill just so we actually weren't equal pay. We got higher pay. There you go. <laughs> all right, then. So, uh, obviously, obviously, you 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 praised Dana Reed and uh, God rest his soul. I mean, I'm yeah. sure, he's, uh, sure he's looking down upon you ladies and uh, for all, the, all that you achieved in the Malibu Open and beyond that. But let's take a little bit to your own personal achievement because I mean, I don't know, 
you've probably won a world title in each world championship since 2005. Is that, <laughs> is, is, that is that fairly accurate or at least a medal? In, in, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I would say at least on the podium. So it's uh, I've been very fortunate and very blessed and have had such an amazing support system that's allowed me to be able to do that. Even in times of going through pharmacy school where, you know, I wasn't necessarily on my 100 percent. You know, I was balancing trying to become a pharmacist at that time, too. That's like nearly 16 years, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean, when now. you think about it, think, think back to 2005, even even thinking even beforehand, because I mean, you're on the junior teams and like 20, uh, or even the under 21 teams in 2003, mm -hmm. and and a little bit beforehand, yep. you were winning title titles then, you know. So I mean, you've had a pretty long and illustrious career. <laughs> yes, it has been. Um, you know, like I said, it's just been a pretty blessed career. I haven't really um, been able to take it all in, actually, just because, you know, it's just been amazingly high on all of the of successes and you know it's definitely not just a sports system but my you know just me and my drive to to want to get there okie dokie and part of your drive for getting there is being able to dedicate yourself to to one event to one event in particular and, it, and it's not slalom folks it's overall because <laughs> you are a triple threat when it comes to women's uh, women's tournament skiing on on a global level so kind of give us an idea of what it's like to to train for that particular event because in my mind it should be a standout event and yet in the last few years it's it hasn't gotten the respect that it deserves it, it's a tough event um you know you you do find a lot of the pro skiers that you know today, their names and everything, they actually started out as three event skiers. You know, I mean, that's pretty much how we all come into this sport. We we ride jumpers, we try to go over the ramp, we are on the trick skis, we're on the slalom skis. But then we come to a point where we realize we need to focus on one event. We are stronger on one event. The other two are too hard to keep up with. Jump, I mean, that's all the risk in the world that you could hurt yourself and be out of the game on the other two events. So, you know, you, you do start to see that all of us that are on this solemn tour, jump tour, trick tour, whatever, we all actually started out as three eventers. Um, to continue the three events for the longevity that I've had is a challenge. It's tough. It's hard work. There's one event that's never where you want it, and then you put in the challenge that you have pro solemn tournaments that you got to go to you neglect the other two and then you're mid-season you get ready for worlds and you were like oh wow the season's over and i really should be more farther along in the other two events but i spent most of my time going to solemn tournaments so it's a struggle but um it's worth it to me because that's you know how my how i grew up skiing and i don't really know any other way and really you know, I don't, I love each event. I don't know which one, if I had to say today, which one I would give up. I don't, I couldn't tell you which one it would be. All right then, uh, obviously you dealt a little bit, uh, a little bit with training for the worlds, but uh, let's, let's go into record breaking because last year 
and you knew of this a little bit more retroactively than you did before, you actually had an attempt at the world overall record at a, at a pro tournament in the Midwest. And how close were you to actually taking the world record away from Natalia Bernacaba? Mm -hmm. I think it was like four points by the end of the day. Actually, when we left the site, we thought that, you know, everybody said, oh, you broke it, you broke it. But then come to find out with the calculations, um, it was about four points off. So um, it's definitely in reach. And it's one of the goals that I definitely want to, you know, strive to get that title back, um, you know, from from. Natalia, it's definitely, um, and she's a teammate. You know, we went to school together and on ULM, and um, she put it out there. So I, I'm appreciative that she did that. She took it from me, and I kind of want to try to, you know, I, I, it's right there. So I think I can get it back. So remind me what the score, what scores you had in that particular tournament to get you that close. I think it was something at 41, so wasn't it? I think I was. Two, for that round, I was two and a half at 41. I was 8,400 or 8,490 maybe. And then I was 180 in the jump. Okay, so... Would so I just needed to stand up and maybe get three. <laughs> and I okay. try to turn three to go to four. <laughs> okay, but I, it's probably fair to say that you probably got a little bit more room for improvement in the tricks and possibly the jump as mm -hmm. well. So are you... Are you edging your efforts more towards those for another attempt at the world record or are you just looking for consistency right now prior to the world's coming up in um, October? You know, probably a little bit of both. Um, and it's not that I, I neglect my slalom because, you know, I'm ready to get five. I'm ready to run the pass. So the world record, I'm, I'm ready to push that further in the slalom event too. And um, Malibu and Good have really helped with um, being able to help push my slalom and push that that 41 pass down the end of the rope or into the, the, the course there. Um, so I don't think I'm going to focus too much on one and, you know, especially for worlds, like you said, I think I'm going to try to make sure I can be consistent there, but definitely try to break the barriers on the, uh, on all of them. Now you have an uncanny ability of actually steering a podcast towards a certain direction. It seems because you mentioned good, you mentioned Malibu. <laughs> Let's talk about your relationship with those cats. <laughs> yeah, so I've um, been with Malibu Boats for a long time. Uh, they are a amazing boat company. Uh, we've released the TXI, and you know, it's, it's we've had every time we've released a, a new boat from the LXI to the TXI, we've always been on such a timing with where I'm at a peak that it's another record-breaking you know title that comes along with it in fact when I first signed with Malibu the next tournament I went to after I originally signed with them I called them to say I just broke Christy Overton Donson's world record <laughs> <laughs> and um, you know we've just established such a great relationship they support all three events um, you know they have a great tournament that um, the Malibu Open that we've had for um, you know, D Dana Reed actually started and we've had for several years now going. It's a great successful tournament. We have Solomon Jump there. We've tried the overall as well. Um, it's just something that we've always, you know, tried to bring back um, into it because Malibu Open actually existed before Dana Reed started it. And it's just been a great company. I'm a great you know i'm just proud to be part of it and then you know i have a unique relationship with the good skis um i've 
been on a good slalom ski for pretty much my entire slalom professional career. Um, so that's something to say just about the product itself. Yeah, you're right, because I can't even <laughs> remember you on being on any other brand of ski, e even right back to as you were progressing out of the juniors or through the under 21s. I mean, it's, it's I mean, I mean, that's, I mean, that's pretty good <laughs> yeah. tenure right there. Yeah, and that just goes to show you about the ski itself, the quality of it. And being on a ski that long, there's no doubt that you become established with the company and your relationship with Dave Good and Don Good is nothing less than what it, what it was. Um, you know, we were best friends, family, and partners you know it was we strived and dave was just amazing at at what he did he you know we would be at a tournament and i would i would win and he would just be like oh you only won by half a buoy regina like i can build something better <laughs> so <laughs> like, high okay. expectations okay let's go back to the trolling board um and so you know i mean those are things that i'll definitely miss but with the company itself we have a team in place that uh is definitely gonna be able to carry out those high expectations that he requested of of us <laughs> which leads me to the dave good foundation Yes, so we did establish Don and I had started the Dave Good Foundation, and it's just in its baby stages. It's at the very beginning, and it's right now we just wanted to get it established so that we could carry on his name and his legacy because there's no doubt that Dave Good's name should never be forgotten in the water ski world, not only in the water ski world, but everything also that he did in the snow ski side of things. His business that he started from the ground up is something that he was an entrepreneur and he became amazingly successful and then thank goodness he got into water skiing and that's where you know we are today of course so many of course a lot a lot of a lot of people know that he started life in the snow skiing field he was manufacturing ski poles for the likes of mark giardelli who's like multiple time <laughs> fis world snow ski champion you, you did probably, your history uh, <laughs> I mean, there were photos in these initial advertisements <laughs> for the ski poles with a great big picture of Mark Giardelli, so that's how I know, and I've uh, been a fan of of downhill skiing for, uh, for for quite a while. But Well, Dave was actually going to be on the U.S. Olympic team. Wow. And then he broke his ankle, and so that's where the actual entrepreneurship of good ski technologies came from. Okay, okay, mm. okay. Thank you very much for that. I'm <laughs> gonna, I'm gonna use that in, in some commentary or something like that. But obviously, we're dealing with a personal relationship between you and Don Good and and Dave Good and and those that are that are closest to you. A recent relationship has has kind of cropped to the surface in the last few years, and that's the co the coaching relationship between you and Jay Bennett. Yes. How, 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 did, how did that how, <laughs> give us the circumstances behind that and how that and how that reconnection kind of established yeah, itself? I, mean, I went to college in Louisiana. I was at University of Louisiana Monroe. I got into pharmacy school, stayed in Louisiana for about seven years. And I did come down and ski at Bennett's multiple times. We had co collegiate nationals here, I think, three of my four years. I wasn't a stranger to the Bennett Ski School, but then I, you know, graduated, moved on, got my career outside of skiing, kept skiing, and Jay's at the Masters with Ann, his wife, and I'm skiing, I jump, and I'm 
just in a funk with my jump. I just couldn't figure it out. And I pretty much hit the side curtain, made my jump, broke my fin, didn't realize, horrible masters for jumping. Slalom was great. I, I did win slalom. I took my yeah. aggression out on that. But for the jumping part, it was just, I was like, wow, I'm going to get hurt. Like, I should quit. Like, I shouldn't do this anymore. Like, I don't know what happened, but it turned quick. And Jay, being the coach that he is, of course, is always watching. You know, he sits there. He watches everybody in every event. So he called, and he's like, hey, you know, like, what's going on? I'm like, Jay, I don't know. Like, my jumping has just gotten bad. And, you know, by this time, I'm a couple weeks later, and I'm at another tournament, and I broke another fin. I'm like, I'm just nailing the side curtain. It doesn't matter how early or how late I am. I'm going to nail the side curtain. It's a good Missed thing that jump fins are relatively cheap <laughs> compared so to jump skis. it was just, you know, something that I just I couldn't figure out. And Jay just basically said, get over here. And... He turned my jumping around. I've been able to, I went 182 last year. I went 180 several times. It's just been an amazing thing for me to have a coach come in at this late in my career, um, you know, and not, you know, I've, I've, I've gotten through so much. I've been on the podium some jump. I've, you know, been world world overall champions. I've, I've had the successes. And, you know, even in the slalom, you know, you have these successes. And then you have a coach that comes in and he's teaching you new things and you're having big improvements. That's, you know, something that we miss when we get to a higher level. You know, I always tell kids when I, you know, see them, I'm coaching them, I, I'm in the boat judging and they have a PB. I'm like, just please enjoy that PB because they get so hard to come by. And, you know, to be able to have him come in and just re revamp my jumping and teach me new things is what has really strengthened that bond with us because how often do you take somebody as a pro and be able to say, okay, come back, let's step back, and then you jump 10 steps forward? Now, with someone like Jay, he, ha he has a lot of pearls of wisdom that he imparts <laughs> upon his students. And I know that whenever I talked to you a little bit earlier, you were kind of dreading me asking this particular <laughs> question, and right now you're giggling because you know what I I'm going to ask. I don't know which one it is. I still don't have an answer. <laughs> you still don't have an answer, but let's try, but let's try and uh, scrape an answer through this. What is the one, one pivotal tip that someone like Jay or anyone else has given you that you have said, okay, this has turned my skin around, I've got to hold on to this, put it in my back pocket, and you use it to, to, to the, for the continuance of my career, or or even or even just the immediate future. You know, I I still just don't know what that one thing would be because honestly, it's not a one kind of thing fix. It's an evolving. It's a constant like eyes on you, and watching you. It's ever evolving. So. It, I just still don't have an answer to it because I don't think that there is a one fix answer. There's, you know, even when you do something, if it's how he wants you to turn, um, that he drills it into you, it becomes second nature that you don't realize anymore of how you used to do it. So there's not just a one tip because you're out there working on maybe five different things. And then those five things just naturally become habit to where you can move on to the other five things. So 
it's more of an evolving thing and i just think more into the fact that it becomes a trust situation that you trust him you trust his process so i think the answer is more of not what he says but a relationship that progresses to a trust so there's like a larger plan there's a larger scheme involved rather than just spot coaching type deal yes exactly yes i really do think that and i think for both sides of it the be the athlete to the coach and the coach to the athlete it's more of a longevity and it's a you build trust and then the trust comes to when you do get in a situation you're at masters and it's roly or you're at you know certain places and you start tailspinning and you just don't know where you're at that you can look uh, to him on shore and okay I got it I know what I'm doing and it could just be even you see him it's not like he has to even say anything because you've built a trust and it's like okay I know now where my game plan is yes indeed and uh, I spoke to you a little bit earlier and the one thing that came across to me one of the things that came across because you're such a multifaceted athlete and the you are fascinating beyond beyond a shadow of a doubt. One of the things that you like and detest, you don't like and detest, is lists. You, <laughs> yeah, and for for someone who's who's meticulous, whose career has that certain level of intricacy, to to not even do have that. It yeah. just seems mind-boggling to me. It would, it would. But I think, you know, back to the beginning, I said I have an amazing support system, and that's going to go back to the family. And so I have an older sister, Renee. Um, she's my right-hand person in the world for every aspect of the business to the skiing to life in general. And um, she's my list person. And she'll, she'll put the list, she'll put them on posties. She'll put them everywhere. And so maybe that's why I just don't like the list because I see them all the time. But she keeps me well organized. But, you know, I, I, I think it's, I probably have the list in my brain, but I just don't need it in front of me. I don't need to check it off. It's just something that's not how I'm wired. But she has lists and I see them all the time. So I do have lists in a sense, thanks to my sister. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, we do you like lists? Uh, I have a list in front of me. Yeah, I've got, you do I've got, have a, I've got, yeah, uh, yeah. And, 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 scratching and, it off each yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, right. and <laughs> yeah. I mean, it. Well, it's part of J school training a little bit, you know. So, uh, so yeah. And I mean, I've started doing this more and more recently because of the subject matter. The uh, the, the skiers that I've interviewed require a little bit more 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 in depth uh, analysis. So that's why I have the list and. Uh, and among the things that are left on my list are, let's our think, ladies. our ladies, our yes, ladies here. yes, uh, we're we're gonna we're going to hear from them uh, very very soon. But as I go down the uh, the end of my list a little bit here, obviously the amount of world titles that you've won assures first ballot eligibility into the Hall of Fame. No, you have to retire first. You have so to retire first. I'll never first. make the Hall of Fame. You'll never make the <laughs> Hall of no. Fame now, but <laughs> he, here's, here's, the, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Obviously, whenever you are eligible for the Hall of Fame, it's 
you know, it's tantamount to like leaving a legacy for the sport, you know, for the, <laughs> for the betterment of the sport. Have you, ever, have you ever thought about that? What kind of thing or what kind of legacy you leave behind for future generations within the, within the sport uh, based upon what you've achieved and what you're going to achieve possibly? You know, I, I really haven't because I always knew that I wouldn't get into the Hall of Fame because I knew that I would never retire. I will always do the sport. And that's also why, you know, my parents were very instrumental in the career choice of getting an education. Um, you know, they didn't say, hey, you need to go to pharmacy school. They just said, get your education because anything could happen. You can get hurt. You can get injured. You may never be able to ski at a professional level. You have something to fall back on. Um, took it literally. So got the careers that are very successful on both sides, which is really hard to juggle. And the pharmacy and then the skiing, two separate worlds, but both you know, a challenge and successful. And if I do get hurt in skiing, yes, I have the pharmacy, but I also have the pharmacy that way I can always ski. We're an expensive sport and I want to always be able to ski. So I'll probably never get into the Hall of Fame just because I don't plan on retiring and I want to ski forever. I want to ski as long as I can. So I haven't thought about it. I haven't thought about it. You, haven't, you the, haven't given it a second thought. You're just like so driven and so focused that yeah, whatever whatever extraneous stuff is going on, <laughs> it's like outside the purview of your blinders. Well, you know, I, I love giving back to the sport too. I'll hop in the boat. I'm, I'm a judge. I'm a Pan Am judge. I will judge at our regionals. I'll hop in the boat for the boys one, girls one, and judge as much as I can for all of them. Are you a technical I, controller though? No, no, I am not. <laughs> I could be an assistant. I've helped Jerry Jackson many times. So I think I could be an assistant. I don't even think, yeah, pretty sure I could be an assistant on that. But, you know, as far as that goes, I do think my legacy wouldn't just be about me, my scores, but more on, you know, why why we all love skiing. You know, I do it. I'm, I go to regionals. I go to nationals. I'll jump in the boat and judge all of the juniors, and it will be hours that I'm in the boat, and I'll jump out and I'll ski. My thing is, is I want them to have a good time. You know, I'll go and help out at all the junior parties. I help Don Good with the good nationals for the good junior banquet. I want them to see that the pro skiing is about giving back, and we all are a big family in this sport, and that's why we all got into it. That's why I have friends from around the world that I could travel around the world if I ever got in trouble, if I ever needed something. I'm never alone in the world, anywhere in the world. And it's because of water skiing. And that's, I think, more of what I would want to give as my legacy than, oh, you know, we got to run 41 just to be, you know, to be where she's at. All right. So, uh... You might not know this, but the first the first time that we met was like in the late 80s, probably the early part of the 90s. It was at a tournament in Mulberry at Ski Paradise. Uh, uh, I was girls one. You're in girl, you're in girls one. You were at the probably the beginning phase of what's turning out to be an absolute stellar career. And I mean, and I mean, I'd I'd watch you progress throughout that 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 stage and. You know, it wasn't until a certain point that I, I feel your career kind of kind of took a little bit of a turn towards slalom skiing because, I mean, you, you weren't you weren't in the kind of shape that you are in right now where you've got quite quite big arms, quite big <laughs> shoulders, that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, so there must have been a point 
where you said to yourself, okay, if I'm going to succeed in this slalom event, I'm not the tallest skier in the world. I'm not Jennifer Lapointe. I'm not, I'm, I'm not Susie McCormick. And I'm certainly not, I don't, I, I don't know, name another tall skier aside Susie from Graham. The, Susie Graham, yes. Yep. Um, Susie McCormick, obviously. Susie Graham McCormick, yeah. Yeah, and, and Je Jennifer Lapointe. Uh, maybe. Dina Maple, Camille Duval. Yeah. Uh, and Kim Laskoff. Kim Laskoff, you know, relatively school skier tall skiers in other words they were all taller than you yep so you weren't that tall so you had to make up for that deficiency with raw power yeah yep um you know i think that all of that changed as far as a turning point for me was in italy worlds in Riccetto. and i did win tricks there that was, was 2001 i believe wasn't yeah, it exactly so i won tricks there and I didn't make the overall finals. I was like, Dad, I didn't make overall finals. Well, Regina, you didn't get anywhere near 30. You were mid 35. Like, how are you gonna make overall finals if you can't run 35? This was at the time where Good overall final. This was at the time where overall finals was a thing. Yeah. And I'll ask you another question about <laughs> that after this. But yeah. carry on. So, I was like, "Good point, Dad. Yep, got it." And then from that moment, I was like, "This, this is my weak point. I need to." figure out this solemn and you know I just dove in and that's where my relationship with Dave Good you know started I was able to get on a good ski I skied with Chris Rossi I you know just there were so many things that kept evolving my soloming before it was okay I need to also strengthen my power it was learning about skis learning about rockers I mean thank thank you Dave you know for for all of the information that he taught me and there's still so much more that I don't know that I wish he could you know instill on me because we lost so much knowledge but there's you know there's definitely people at the factory that have that information so I can still learn um, from that and then of course as you age you know I was only 15 at the time so there was no way i was gonna pack on muscles or anything i evolved too into a woman and then i think you know i was able to get stronger just because of my age and that is where we'll leave it for part one in part two we'll discuss the overall event and also have a talk about the pillars of her career in the sport her family Thanks once again to Regina for participating in this interview and a big shout out to all of you for listening in. Part two will be here before you know it. So until then, take care. Thank you for listening to the TWBC podcast. Be sure to check out our website at waterskibroadcasting.com. Links to our presence on major social media platforms can be found there, as well as updates to our webcast and this podcast. Duplication or rebroadcasting of this broadcast without written consent of TWBC is prohibited. Subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform and be sure to join us next time for the next edition of the TWBC Podcast.